politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, scorned American patriots, taxpayers, and all around good American consumers that just want to keep your plastic straws, your workable appliances, your food, all the technology that capitalism has helped preserve. This is the show for you. Welcome back to the Conservative Review podcast here at our Northern Command Center. Uh, enjoyed the day yesterday in Washington, D.C., but I got out of there helter-skelter before uh, I got possessed with whatever disease gets all of our colleagues uh, that go nuts once they go down there, lose focus, lose their frame of mind. We're going to keep focused today on some of the issues we've talked about in the past. But in addition to talking about the safety and security sovereignty agenda, I do want to talk a little bit about economic freedom. And to me, if you look at everything going on right now politically, if we had a halfway sane Republican Party that was willing to expose and accentuate the radicalism of the left on their totalitarian mindset, taking away our, our products, spreading poverty and misery, if they were willing to draw a bold contrast and rather than running away from a legislative and policy fight, embrace a policy fight over the economic issues as well as the immigration and security issues, they would win a smashing victory next year. Donald Trump would get reelected. The problem is we need to A, keep Trump focused and disciplined, keep it on the issues, and B, we need a movement in a party that actually enacts our agenda, or at least tries to, messages it to the public, and uses every opportunity to explain to the American people how radical the left is, but not just in order to complain about the left and win an election, but to demonstrate how their system will make their lives easier, more prosperous, more choices, so on and so forth. Many of you might have watched the, what was it, seven-hour um, CNN town hall about global, global warming slash climate change, that somehow we allow them to get away with changing that name. I have not watched it. I will not watch it, as you well know. But I think the upshot of what went on there that's very important, very, very important, is that the American people, the American voter, particularly this much sought after suburban voter, very clearly has no interest in a panoply of the following policies juxtaposed. Banning straws, getting rid of workable appliance and regressing back to crappy products that don't work, raising the cost of the most vital goods and services in this country, to worship some sort of climate gods while embracing MS-13, Hamas, mass migration, transformation of our neighborhoods, letting violent felons out of, of prison, and then denuding us of our power to protect ourselves from the very people that they let out of prison, let into the country, and had sanctuary cities protecting child molesters. I don't think the majority of voters want that. And I'm going to go through with you in detail. 
I spent a lot of time this morning delving through this 200-page PDF of a Harvard-Harris poll, very comprehensive poll, demonstrating this point. It's all about how you message things. And if you frame the messaging, and part of how you frame the messaging is the same way the left will always bring sob stories and anecdotes that they think proves the veracity of their policies, we need to be doing that every day. And again, in order to do that, we can't just laugh at the Democrats and say, ha ha, they're so radical. And then proceed to focus on Comey and Mueller all day or allow Trump to get distracted and focus on the hurricane maps and get caught making things up and stop it. Keep discipline, stay focused, and you'll win this. You just look at last night, and again, I didn't, I didn't read this, but he, here are the headlines from, um, you know, just some headlines, what, what I've seen. Biden, we can take millions of vehicles off the road if we have high-speed rail. See, the good thing about American hedonism, you know, Calvin Coolidge always talked about the fact that we have to watch out. Already in the 1920s, he said this during the Roaring Twenties as capitalism was really uh, succeeding and changing just the world, how people lived, he had electricity and plumbing and everything. And he said, we have to make sure that we grow spiritually commensurate with the physical growth. He said this in his 1925 Thanksgiving address with abundance. We need to have a spiritual abundance just to temper it. Um, the problem is we, we've lost that spirituality. And without that, there are ironically, even you know those of us who are ardent capitalists will admit that, you know, just socially, you got to watch out what this culture of, of indulgence creates. But it is what it is. America is very indulgent in a lot of things. Everyone knows that. We love our food. We want our two cars per family. We're not going to be restricted into small houses and small cars. We have the fattest poor people in the world. For better or for worse, that's what it is. You're not going to change America that way. You're never going to change that. People vote with their tummies. They vote with their feet. They want the best products. They want the biggest choices. You know, one of the things um, that was fascinating, I, I said this during the healthcare debate. When Mikhail Gorbachev visited the Space Center in Houston in the 80s, he was a minister. Um, no, I'm sorry, not, not Mikhail Gorbachev. It was uh, Boris Yeltsin. It, Gorbachev was still president of Russia. Yeltsin wasn't yet president. He was, he was some sort of a minister. And he took a look around. He wasn't impressed by the Space Center. Technology and everything. What was he impressed by? He visited a local supermarket. And he couldn't believe the array of choices for orange juice. Among other things. He was like, wow, we can't defeat a, a place like that. That's America. Again, for better, for worse. Mainly it's good, but there are elements that I think we, we, we see this a lot with um, just health concerns and different things. We have an overindulgence of different things. But it is the, you could you worship any religion you want of climate and brainwash any people into that nonsense all you want. The bottom line is when push comes to shove, most people aren't martyrs. And the overwhelming majority of voters 
and almost all of the suburban swing voters, unless they're like these nuts with the solar panels and Bernie stickers on their bumper car, you know, the bumper of their cars. But most people aren't like that. They will not give up their quality of life. A lot of things we talk about are sometimes, and I'm guilty of this too, are too abstract to your average voter. Most voters aren't obsessively ideologically right or ideologically left, whether we like it or not. They vote based on bread and butter issues that they feel really affects them. And that's why I think taking away our products and our choices, making things more expensive, safety and security, this is why I think we have such a winning agenda on this, on, on this program. Now, the only difference between speaking to fellow conservatives versus a broader audience is, I think, simply you have to complete your, your sentences. Whereas here, we'll talk about sovereignty, security, civil society, constitution, republicanism, proper separation of powers, and we know what that means. But to the people, you have to explain. You know, for example, what we talked about yesterday, I live in Baltimore County. People would be shocked to know that we have imported gang violence into this country. I talked about how nobody to this day in my local media is reporting that these seven punks that killed a guy in Towson, Maryland, were MS-13 members from El Salvador who are here illegally. It turns out the kid they killed, they caught flashing an 18th Street gang symbol. So now we have 18th Street versus MS-13. We imported right here. If they would realize, you know, mo most people in Baltimore County, I'm just picking my hometown just for an example. I'm sure they turn on the news, they look online, and they all know about the border and what went on this past year at the border. But nobody has shown them, dude, your county is the border. More Salvadorans are settling in Maryland than anywhere else. And with that comes the most gruesome gang violence. You have to bring it home to people. And I think, again, I, I cut myself off just that long deviation there. I want to get back to some of these headlines. But from last night, this whole climate change business. People don't want that. You know, the media, they control academia, everything. Global warming is in everything. It's in business. It's in everything. They could convince 51% of people to believe in it. But try convincing people to do away with your cars. Biden, I want to get rid of cars. That is the fifth rail of American politics. You know, Europe, um, other places, they're very used to public transportation. Here, outside of a couple of real urban areas, nobody wants that. Everyone loves their cars. You ain't taking that away. Biden, Green New Deal doesn't go far enough with specifics. Elizabeth Warren says her administration will build no new nu nuclear power plants. Warren will control U.S. consumption of light bulbs, straws, and cheeseburgers. I mean, folks, that issue right there, I mean, that's not a right or a left. Nobody wants that. Heck, I don't eat cheeseburgers, obviously, but uh, everyone else does. Um, nobody wants that. Bernie Sanders wants taxpayer-funded abortions in poor countries to fight climate change, a.k.a. kill off more people. By the way, you know what's funny? They, they say that population drains the environment, so they want to kill people in other countries. But then when it comes to importing them to our, our very own country, which you think they would care the most, somehow they don't consider that. It's just very interesting. 
Not that I believe in their population control agenda. I'm just saying. Um, Sanders admits he will increase taxes to pay for climate agenda. Kamala Harris would ban fracking and wants government incentives for people to eat less meat and to ban plastic straws. I mean, again, could you imagine? Could you imagine if you if you demonstrate to the people fracking? That is the great American Hanukkah oil miracle. Like God did for the Jews in Israel with the Hanukkah miracle, where oil just, you know, increased itself on its own miraculously. The fracking boom. We thought we'd be, you know, remember, what was it? 12, no, more like 14 years ago, we were complaining about three, $4 gas. And we thought, gosh, if you would look into your crystal ball back then, 2006, I would say by 2019, it's going to be $6, $7, you know, like in European countries. In comes the shell boom. The amount of jobs it's created, the economic national security. We're crushing the world with exports. Record production. And that's with all these regulations. They want to do more. Harris is prepared to get rid of the Senate filibuster to pass the Green New Deal. But gang, if you believe that God is watching as poison is being belched into the air of creation, and people are being harmed by it. Um, what do you suppose God thinks of that? Buck gang fighting climate change is perhaps even more challenging than World War II. Andrew Yang wants a carbon tax of forty to hundred dollars per ton. Um, Yang wants to ban commercial air travel eventually. Uh, Julian Castro wants to set aside half of U.S. land for biodiversity. I don't know what that means. Imagine if President Trump held a series of events televised nationally where he would sit with products, literally, you know, washing machines, toilets even. See, this is how Trump could use his idiosyncratic, non-politician personality in a way that I think would be endearing rather than off-putting to swing voters. And just go through, don't, don't get personal and petty, just go through very straight. These are the pieces of garbage they, they want to put out. And also, everyone respects Trump for that as a businessman, as a successful man, whether you like him or hate him. Is, everyone views him as a builder. We've worked so hard as a society to progress. Flip the word progressive right on them. And these people want to regress into the 19th century. They want to create worse products than when our grandparents grew up. This thing doesn't work. This thing doesn't last. This thing's more expensive. And go through one after another after another and trace for people these policies. I am therefore going to put these policies in place that will get you better products, more choices at a cheaper cost. Explain to people. I would, and this can be done. People have done this here and there. It's been a dream of mine to work through this, but it's not that hard. If you go through a basket of goods and services that the typical middle class, and I hate using that term, but I'm just using the way the political system uses it, middle income family uh, uses, guess what? The average cost of regulations per family would likely cost them an extra $16,000 per year. And I would show it from food to fuel to clothing, certainly healthcare. And I mean, that's how you just hit it home. That's what people care about. They could emote about their quasi-religious experiences. Look, the American people have become more secular. Now, we 
lament that very often. But the left is trying to get their pagan religion on these people. They don't want they don't want that either. They want their abundance. That's what people want. They want that supermarket that Boris Yeltsin saw. They don't want a supermarket of the Soviet Union or Venezuela. Okay. I think I'm speaking as someone who I understand I'm more conservative than the average person in America. And this audience largely is. But I think I'm speaking for most swing voters that they would agree with that. And the president is doing some things to roll back some regulations. There's other things that (laughs) could use a little kick in the pants. We discussed them here. Gosh, the ethanol stuff that he's bought into. Classic example of government with these elitist policies that benefit wealthy uh, uh, venture socialists using the Buddha government to distort markets and um, give us crappy products at a more expensive price. But this is how you win the election. See, we've said this before. Most people don't pay that much in taxes in America. That's just the reality. Below a certain income level, especially after the Reagan, Bush, and Trump tax cuts. It's it's really been reduced. But what people do pay is the high cost of elitist pagan regulations to serve the green gods. That's really what costs people. But also what people resent even more than the cost is the quality. People don't want crappy products. It's that simple. People want stuff that will work. They they don't want bottles that, like, you can barely hold it. Now, this is a small bottle, so you can hold it. But, um, you know, some of these soda bottles, they slip out of your hands. They don't want garbage. I'm not saying that is an ideology. I'm I'm saying it's just America. People are used to a life of abundance. I, I lament it all the time that people live too fat and happy, and they don't fight on some of the abstract principles you and I want them to fight on. But if you want to really get people active... This is how you do it. But this is really where the Republican Party falls down. Rather than every minute, hey, you Democrats, you just did what? On this state or federal level, you imposed this regulation to take away people's freedoms, give them crappy products at a higher price, and you bang away at it. And you say, no, we're going to do this. But Republicans never push that inflection point. Because often, at best, they ignore it. And at worst, they embrace it. Who do you think was the guy who signed the bill with all these cafe standards and ethanol and banning the light bulb? It was George W. Bush. It's the same thing we talk about all the time with Democrats letting out violent gun felons. Republicans don't use it against them because they agree with the agenda. They've signed on to it. This is where Republicans are just killing us. Democrats are providing once in a generation opportunity to win lifelong debates and and, and permanently destroy these Democrats. How is it that the most radical 2% are able to successfully win at least half of the, the politics, the governorships, more than half of the congressional districts? Now, I will submit that there are areas of this country, like San Francisco, that are irrevocably, irremediably broken And the people will go along with this stuff. But that is not yet where that 50-yard line is in American politics, where you need to win that 218th um, House seat, where you need to win that 
you know, 270th electoral vote. That's not where it is. People don't want their cars taken away. They don't want any of this stuff taken away, frankly. They sure as heck don't want their food messed with. <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're not going to do that. See, that's the thing. Democrats are trying to win off of entitlements. Don't take away my this, even though it's not yours. It's redistribution of wealth. But we should be able to use that for what's legitimately belonging to people. That's the thing. But we don't we don't do this. We don't expose their agenda. Yes, yeah, some conservative talk shows and maybe a handful of elected Republicans here and there will, will talk about it. But we don't build a sustained narrative over a certain fulcrum of an inflection point with a legislative fight, a budget fight. Here's where we stand. We are going to fund choices in, in the free market, and we are not going to fund illegal immigration, MS-13, Hamas. That's how you accentuate the differences. And with that, I want to explain to you a poll that just came out. Harvard Harris is not a conservative poll. Very comprehensive. It's, it's a 200-page PDF. They poll every month 2,531 registered voters across all 50 states, every demographic. It, it, it's as comprehensive of, of, of a poll that you're going to find. This is the brand new one from August. It was just taken last week, I believe, August 26th to 28th, and the results just came out. And what, what it demonstrates is that the Democrats are so out of sync with where people are. But what it also shows, if you read between the lines, is that Trump's brand has been tarnished because of his personality. Things like this week with the hurricanes, that type of stuff, if you would just lay off that, if, if they're allowed to make it about Trump's personality, it will be about his personality. He's going to lose. But if you allow it to be about the issues, suburban and moderate voters are, 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 are almost exclusively with us on the key issues. They really are. So let's go through some key takeaways here. So. Uh, as has been the case for a while, immigration ranked as the top issue for voters, and it wasn't even close. They ask, which is your top issue, you know, from immigration to healthcare, national security, guns, um, drugs, education, you name it. 40% of all voters and 41% of suburban voters, that's almost half, said immigration is the top issue. Top issue. And what I found interesting is, and, and by the way, it's more skewed towards a Republican. So you can't tell me, oh, it's a top issue because people want more illegal immigration. You're going to see in a minute it's the opposite. No, they want this stuff stopped. And what I found interesting is, so, you know, they had all different demographics, and one of them is geography, urban, suburban, and rural. And, and that's very important because, you know, it's a little simplistic, but generally speaking, urban is all locked up for the Democrats. Rural is the base of Republicans, and the suburban is where the battleground is. Now, 
suburban is a loaded term. There's many different types of suburbs, and they range a lot. But clearly, Trump, because of his persona, is turning off a lot of suburban voters, particularly suburban women. But it's not because they disagree with the policies that he supposedly stands for. If he would more emphatically and consistently stand for them, articulate them better, if we had more of a Republican Party and a movement joining in with that, and if we kept him disciplined and focused off some of the gratuitous stuff, this is what the polls say. Next thing. And, and I felt they asked this question very beautifully. I might not agree with some of the labels, but the, this is the way accurately both sides are depicted. Okay, if you turn into tune into the news, these are the terms you're going to hear. And they asked a very straightforward question. This is, to me, the broadest question. They had a lot of specifics, but really summing up the two sides. Number one, um, which candidate are you more likely to vote for? And they presented two sides. One, a presidential candidate who stands for the Green New Deal on climate change, Medicare for all, free college tuition, opening our borders to many more immigrants, and raising taxes to pay for these programs, okay? Or a presidential candidate who stands for lower taxes, reduced government regulation, strengthening our military, strengthening our border to reduce illegal immigrants, standing up more to China and Iran, and seeking better trade deals for the U.S. Okay, that, that's, that's pretty fair. That's a pretty fair, straightforward depiction of what's going on. Now, look, my agenda is a little bit more pronounced and different. And I think if we had a Republican Party that stood for our agenda here, not that I disagree with most of that, I think it would be even more emphatic. If we had a movement that exposed every case of how we're paying for illegal immigration and how it's fundamentally transforming America and the security and the fiscal cost. But but even without that, just intuitively, you would say we're a very divided country, right? I mean, you would expect, you know, from what you hear in the news, you'd expect it to be even, and, and even with the Democrats leading a little bit. 60-40. 60 per, 60% said, I'd go more with what was depicted as more of the Trump agenda than the Democrat candidate agenda. Including 58% of moderates and 63% of suburban voters. Think about that. There's the election right there. You frame the issues that way, you win. It's that simple. Then they asked specifically about, about the border. So they gave a list of issues and they said, which issue, if a candidate would support that issue, would, would make you more or less likely to support the candidate? The absolute bottom, meaning the thing that would make them the least likely to support that hypothetical candidate was, quote, opening up our borders to many more immigrants. Notice the question wasn't even phrased illegal immigrants, just even, even generically, opening up our border to many more immigrants, just 36% would support that proposition. 64% say they'd be, much, they'd be less likely. Many of them were much less likely. They divided that up too. 
and and as an aside, tied for the least popular was, quote, raising taxes to pay for more programs. Very simple. So when, when it's framed that way, people don't want it. 70% of voters said they'd be more likely to support a candidate who supports, quote, strengthening our border to reduce illegal immigration, including 71% of moderate and suburban voters and even 58% of Hispanics. And yet Republicans are all like, yes, the treatment of the migrants, the detention centers. No, every day. Imagine if they pushed our agenda, our 15-point plan. 15-point plan. You know, I want you to guys see here up on the screen right now, here, my agenda that I put out for August, you know, when I originally, look, a man is allowed to dream. I was dreaming of Republicans staying in for August. I listed about 15 different items for them to vote on. 15 different items. About stolen sovereignty. I'm telling you, the political class, and that includes the people in the White House, the people in DHS, the people at DOJ, all of Republican leadership in Congress, and even many conservative pundits, they don't understand the politics of this issue. Now, here's fascinating. Before we get back to illegal immigration, I want to move on to legal immigration. So the pollster asked respondents whether they thought we had too much legal immigration, too little, or just about the right level. So just off the bat, just 23% believe we need more. That's the elitist position, and that's just 23%. Now, 45% said it's just about right, and 32% said it's, we have too much. Now, many of you might be wondering, okay, well, that sounds pretty favorable to our position here, but you would think many more people would think we have too much. Well, here's the catch. They smartly followed up and asked them, how many legal immigrants would you say reside in the United States today? I mean, not your position, but how many do you think there are? Okay. Now, those of you who are smart know the answer to that is roughly 45 million. Okay, we have roughly 45 million. That doesn't include the 15 million, however many illegal, but we have about 45 million legal immigrants record. And the trajectory is set to explode if we don't change policies. Um, 45 million in this country. We, we've never done anything like this before. You know what's fascinating? So they had a bunch of different tranches. Um, and I'm going to try to distill this here i just thought it was fascinating how they they broke it down to all different levels so first of all i think it was just four percent believed we have over 50 million which is close to what it actually is um it, it was pretty unbelievable pretty unbelievable now just trying to get this here and I don't think I'm going to be able to pull it up. Well, no, here, here it is. Here it is. Perfect. Got it. Got it. Just 5% said over 50 million. 14% said between 10 and 50 million. So in other words, just 19% were able to fathom 
that we have more than 10 million immigrants in this country. Indeed, we have 45, which is more close, closest to the highest level. Just 19% think that. And you go down and down and like, 9% think that there are, this is unbelievable. 13% think we have fewer than 100,000 immigrants in this country. That's more than double the amount to think that we have 50 million, roughly the right level. That's true. If you add up all the numbers here, you add up all the numbers, 40, more than 80% think we have fewer than 10 million immigrants and 45% think to varying degrees we have fewer than 1 million immigrants in this country. Indeed, we bring in more than 1 million immigrants every additional year and then over another 1.5, 1.7 million on all sorts of student visas and worker visas and things like that. If we actually had a Republican Party speaking to this, and I, I've, I've said on the show before, there's other polling we've, we've detailed. Even in California, in all 50 states, people don't support the Democratic immigration agenda, especially when it's framed properly. Next thing, they ask, do you believe legal immigrants use welfare somewhat or a lot or little or, or not at all? 57 to 32% believe they use a lot. And the correct answer is they do. Not all of them, um, but there are too many to do, and you know, roughly 70% do. And then very straightforward. Should the United States deny green cards to immigrants who might be deemed likely to be heavy welfare users? 60% said they should be denied, including 56% of Hispanics. But I will say what's interesting is that when... They framed it, do you support Trump's regulated yada yada? It was only like 5248. Because once Trump's name is thrown in and it becomes about the personality, I mean, and, and that's the challenge. But if you look at the actual principle, if you're able to take the person away from it and have a sustained fight using data and anecdotes and legislative fights to accentuate this point, this is the result you're going to get from the electorate. 68% of voters said immigrants should be required to speak English. And again, this is not should America conduct official business bilingual, have bilingual ballots. That's way more than that, probably like 80%. This is should the immigrants themselves be required to know English. And Republicans are, t you ask your typical Republican politician, oh, that's racist, oh, I can't, I, I'm too scared. Why won't Senate Republicans bring a bill to the floor to make English the official language. These stupid Teletubbies can't see a winning issue if it smacks them in the face. Next question. Should immigrants who are here illegally, so now this, this is illegal immigrants, now we're going to get back to illegal. Should the, those here illegally be able to collect welfare, disability, disability and healthcare payments from the state and federal governments or not? Right. That is essentially a unanimous position from all the Democrat presidential candidates. 78% said no. That includes 80% of moderates and 82% of suburban voters. You want to win back suburban voters? Have a fight over that issue. Even 65% of Hispanic voters and 71% of African-American voters 
said, no, illegal immigrants should not get healthcare, disability, and um, welfare payments. 72% of overall voters, including 76% of suburban voters, said illegal aliens should not get driver's licenses. Republicans refuse to pick a fight on that issue. And that issue opens up the whole can of worms of the insane, insane degree of illegal alien drunk drivers killing endless people every year. ICE apprehends another 80,000, well, uh, enough illegal aliens cumulatively with 80,000 convictions or arrests on driving offenses. The, the, The Department of Transportation has several studies on this that show because of the machismo culture, there's a whole culture behind it, that, that um, Hispanics in general are more likely to be prone to this. But it's mainly, if you break it down, it's socioeconomic status, which tells you it's really the illegals that are doing this, not you know your middle-class American family that you know, happens to be of Hispanic descent. When asked whether illegal immigrants should be counted in the census, 59% said no. Now, that number you, you would expect it to be higher is because the, the, the way they phrase, phrased the question was, should illegal aliens be counted in the census in terms of predicting the allocation of funding to states, like grant programs? So that sounds more like, oh, you know, states, like, th- that sounds more innocuous. The, more, the stronger question, the more consequential thing that should have been asked is, should illegal aliens be counted in the census thereby giving states with more illegal aliens more representation and thereby distorting the number of seats in Congress and electoral votes, I guarantee you that would have been more like 80%. And then finally, you know, just another issue, siding with China and Iran. 80% of overall voters, 82% of suburban voters said they are more likely to stand to vote for someone who stands up, quote, stands up to, to China and Iran. Man, Trump could crush the left on these issues. If Republicans, Trump needs to pick three or four of these issues. I'd pick China and Iran. I'd pick crime and gun felons. I'd pick illegal immigration. And I'd pick banning, regulating basic products and goods and services. I'm forgetting some issues here, here and there, but just those issues. Every single tweet, every messaging, every speech, every press conference, every legislative agenda you should get Mitch McConnell to push. Everyone should be singing on that tune. Every anecdote in the country that you talk about should speak to those issues. Do that for six months and then come back to me about what your electoral futures and prospects look, look, looks like. But alas, folks. We can't have nice things. This is what keeps me up at night. This is why I am so agitated. Because I'm an optimist. See, if I thought that we were at the point where 51% of the country irrevocably agrees with the left on most issues, I'd be upset about it, but I would be resigned to it. The reason why I feel a sense of urgency to start a new movement, to start a new revolution, at least as we can, is because we still 
have most people agreeing with us. And the fact that the left is not even being subtle about it anymore makes it so much easier. But at every turn, Republicans either run from the fight or they downright agree with the left and enable them on so many of these issues. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. I just want to close with, with the following thought. Well, two thoughts, really. But this whole big tent, big tent agenda, that just drives me nuts, drives me nuts. That we think we need a big tent. We think we need to agree with the left to win elections rather than bringing voters into our tent, having fixed principles. I was thinking, imagine if we had, even at a state level, red states that were as red and committed to those principles as the blue cities and states are committed to their communist principles. A lot of people are talking in the news this week about San Francisco designating the NRA as, as a terrorist group. And my first reaction was like, hats off to them. I mean, they come, they see, they conquer. They believe and they act. They act on their beliefs, they stay on message, and they're relentlessly focused on it. The good news is what sells it in San Francisco is abhorred in most of our country. Most of America is not like San Francisco. But yet, as I noted, even in red states, we don't have it. We don't have, where are the states designating MS-13 and the cartels and Antifa as terrorists? To this day, I can't get the White House to designate the cartels as terrorists. Well, meanwhile, the left is willing to designate the NRA as terrorists. So I mentioned the other day, we we're talking about uh, South Dakota and the fact that people might think it's good news. The Democrats no longer have enough money in South Dakota to even have a single physical office to work out of. But if you look upon it, the Republican Party really is the Democrat Party there. And I knew I'd get a get a listener, but Caleb, one of our listeners, who's a longtime listener from South Dakota, he emails me that he says, like, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Our former governor has an F rated was an F rated senator from Conservative Review. Our current governor is now an F rated congressman woman. Our other senator is F rated and our second highest ranking Republican. Um, you know, will never be primaried because he's so powerful. Just talking about John Thune. Our current D-rated congressman was chief of staff to a scandal-ridden governor. Our state representatives won't even pass the convention of the states. But hey, at least we balance the budget every year. Who needs a Democrat party? The only thing they lose is our in our state is elections. Very interesting, very astute thought. They lose elections, but they win the policies. And he notes there are some good state reps, um, but they're few and far between. And that's, that's the story. About 30% of Republican legislators are good. About, you know, 15% of Republicans in the House, in the federal House, are good. And uh, almost no senators are good. That's, that's just what it is. But ju just as a note to how, how we're changing as a people, 
this guy, Denver Riegelman, a congressman from one of the few remaining conservative parts of Virginia, I guess the Shenandoah area going down the Blue Ridge Mountains. People have had enough with this rhino. So he posted preemptively on his website a letter of support he got from Jerry Falwell Jr. Okay, and this is what has happened to our movement. This is from Jerry Falwell Jr. It's posted on his Facebook site. I'm just going to read it off my, my, um, my phone here. I am writing to encourage the Republican Party of the 5th Congressional District in Virginia to unite and to become big tent, a big tent party that works together to ensure the Republicans retain control of both the Virginia House of Delegates and Virginia Senate this fall. It is my understanding that certain leaders of the Republican Party in the 5th District are attempting to exclude you and others because of social issues. I was told they are assuming that because you are you officiated a gay marriage recently that you are not socially conservative. I believe that excluding other conservatives over issues that have already been decided by the U.S. Supreme Court. Think about that. That really pisses me off. Does nothing but helps liberals gain more power. There is nothing that anyone in the House of Delegates or Virginia Senate can do to change the law on gay marriage or abortion. By the way, it's not true. Um, and, you know, he basically offers his support to him. First of all, by the way, in this Harvard-Harris poll, they asked people to describe yourself as a social conservative, social liberal, or moderate. There are more social conservatives than social liberals. Okay? Now, the joke is, what issue is Denver Riggleman a conservative on? Proper national security? Immigration? Fiscal issues? No. I'm sick of this lie. I'm a fiscal conservative. I'm not a social conservative. No, 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 no. That's not true. That is not where the country is. Suburban voters don't want sex change operations, appliances destroyed, straws banned, and the embracing of MS-13, Hamas, and mass migration, and social transformation without representation. And rather than saying, oh, there's nothing we can do, the court said it, rail against the courts. Tell the people you should get a choice and don't have unelected black robes, this lawyerly elite deciding for us. Bring people into the tent. Don't destroy the tent. This is what's wrong. For all of time, I want you to send this show to listeners everywhere, your friends and family, just to lay this marker down that when we do get destroyed as a nation, just remember... The people didn't want that. It didn't have to be that way. This is the opportunity Trump has. This is the opportunity other Republicans have. Will they seize it? We're going to try every day to make the case. But ultimately, we need help. We need God's help. We need God to guide our leaders and open their eyes to fight the easy things, much less the hard things. Fight the issues we're still winning on, much less the issues the left has successfully brainwashed people over. Till tomorrow, thanks for listening, fellow patriots.